When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is Girish Pradhan from Girish and the Chronicles. You're listening to the Hook Crocs podcast with Jay Scott. What's going on? What's happening? How you doing? All is well. Good day to you. It is Jay Scott, and this is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks for stopping in again. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. Uh, Some great episodes here lately. We've been doing um, some really cool things. Had some great new music spotlights in the month of February. We had Naked Gypsy Queens. We had the band uh, Joyous Wolf towards the end. We had Scarlet Rebels on. We had who else? South of Eden, who they've got uh, some new music coming out to as well. Band from Columbus, Ohio, that is just going to be rocking this world here in 2022. We had another conversations and collaborations in February with John Drake from the Dust Coda and Josh Kennedy from the Black Moods. So enjoy that. Two great new emerging bands that have uh, been releasing great music over the last couple of years. So hopefully you get a chance to listen to that. We also did our live album review of Rockin' the Fillmore, the great Humble Pie record. We also had Scott Gorham from Finn Lizzy on at the beginning of the month. Great interview with him as well. Great guy. Hope to have him on towards the end of the year as well. And also, too, some great episodes to start off the month of March. We had Gurish in the Chronicles. We had Jade Alicia talking about what emerging bands should be looking after um, in terms of record deals or management deals. And uh, we've got another great one for you today. Uh, we've got a band that, uh, or one of the members, Neil, has been on the show a couple times before previously. They're one of my favorite bands. They do the sleaze rock, down and dirty rock and roll. 
better than anyone today. They remind me of the Enough's Enough, the Faster Pussycats, and the L.A. Guns from the era when I grew up. It's always great to have that back alley of rock and roll represented. And I'd like to welcome Takeaway Thieves. What's going on, gentlemen? How are you? Aloha. Hey, much love, man. Yeah, all good over this end. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to be having us, you know. Absolutely, man. You guys uh, released one of the best albums, in my opinion, in 2021 on our year-end celebration ranking the top 30 albums that made my list. It's a great album. Shows a lot of growth within the band um, from the de- debut EP. Uh, the songs are just incredible. Uh, a, a great, like what was it, 10, 11 songs that you guys did for the album. Fantastic. You guys are now doing shows with Midnight City, which is a great UK band too as well. How's it all going since the album release? I mean, I know everyone's kind of had their ups and downs with COVID, but uh, how are you guys navigating that? I know your your uh, prime minister just announced uh, that no more restrictions in the UK, so that's got to feel good. So 2022 so far is uh, you're putting the bad behind you and looking at all the positive stuff. Yeah, I know as soon as it sort of all opened back up, people were sort of a little bit, hesitant to come out and buy tickets still with the fear of the whole covid thing but recently as like you say the restrictions here have been lifted people seem to have a bit more confidence in buying tickets and actually showing up for the good times and we've just been having like the best time like all in the van having a laugh making games up we invented a new little game didn't we Pete? called flicky rizzle you get a pack of papers you gotta flick it and nail it onto a phone Two points, first to ten wins. Great times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be great for you guys because, you know, the last couple of years have been a challenge, to say the least. You guys come out with just a a roaring of a record that, uh, you know, really helps people escape from what's been happening. You know, it's pure rock and roll. You know, there's not... A, a doom and gloom message or a, a poignant message. It's just what rock and roll is, and that's having a good time. And I think people are ready to have a good time. You know, when we kind of opened up restrictions here in the States over the summer, you saw people going to places that they normally didn't go to just to get out of the house, just to get out and do stuff. And um, I think that's probably what's going to happen with you guys. You're going to see crowds like you've never seen before because people are itching to do something. They're itching to go out. Uh, what's been your view of that? The fuse, the fuse was lit, ready to go, and then it just shut us down. And the party ended for a fucking hell, man, for a, for a year or so. You know, it was a real downer. So to have that opened up again to let us go, that was we're just ready to go now. I'll let the you know world hear what we've got to play and what we've got to do, what we've got to show. You know, so that's our thing. We just got to get out there and do it. Do you feel with the new album, because it's it is it's a solid album, I can't say enough about it, that you guys are in a good place as you move forward, as things open up in 2022? Yeah, for sure, yeah. Positive of mind, up straight away. Yeah, we've got a lot of connections within our field of, field of play over here. Uh, we have good management behind us, rock people management. 
Um, a good <laughs> network. A good network. So, um, you know, it's all good. So all we can do is make make the best of what we've got to offer and offer ourselves up to the crowds and see what's what. It's just, it's just positive feedback all the way. Anytime we give a, you know, someone takes a CD, they as soon as they listen to it, they're messaging us saying, well, I can't believe this album. It's absolutely fantastic. And the same is like these dates we've just done with Midnight City to predominantly an audience we, we don't know. And, and these people are coming up to us when we finish the set. You know, they're, they're buying us drinks. They want to chat, you know, and, and are buzzing after our performance, which is so it's all very positive and just just fantastic, really. Well, that's great because it's well-deserved. Um, you know, as far as this album goes, you mentioned the reception that you've talked about with people complimenting you on the music and the record. As bands have, that I've been talking to, you know, a lot of them went in and recorded a lot of material during the pandemic, enough for two albums, an album and an EP, just so they can stay on the road and keep performing because they lost so much during the pandemic. They lost, you know, merch sales and all that, which hurts bands that are emerging. What's your take on that? Did you guys, you guys have enough in the arsenal to, to keep going and kind of release music once this cycle of this record kind of dies down and you're able to kind of keep going with newer music? Is that a possibility for you guys? Or that's something that you did? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because all five of us contribute to the songwriting process. So it's not just like one sole person. We're all creatively, you know, and we, we spoke about this just last week. Let's, you know, let's start, you know, maybe getting some ideas together for the next one and see if we can get another album out, you know, by the end of this year, at least, you know, just try and get as much music out as we can. I think the best way to do that nowadays is even just to have, like, before it was always like albums that were being released, but it, it seems you get quite a lot of, progress by releasing you know a single every maybe couple of months as people's attention span is shorter isn't it and with streaming they're maybe just picking one song here or there rather than listen to a full album so it's you know a case of tiptoe step by step you're releasing one song at, at a time if you will yeah I, i'm still a fan of that full album you know maybe it's just the generation that i grew up in and you know, I understand, you know, the landscape of what's happening in the rock music with singles and, the, you know, the audience's attention span is a lot different than it was years ago. You got to stay in front of people. You, know, you can't just rely on the 10, 11 songs on an album. You got to keep releasing singles, keep doing that stuff. Um, you know, the way people absorb music these days is, is quite different than it was years ago. Uh, as far as the NFT and the technology, you know, the, uh, the, the blockchain technology, how's that going for you guys? Cause you're one of the first bands to really engage in that and, and grasp that. How's that, uh, how's that moving forward for you guys? Absolutely amazing for, you know, a band that no one really knows. Uh, we've got a lot of support from predominantly, you know, people who, who dig the band. They they invested uh, 150 pound it was at the time last August, and for 10 percent yeah for 10 percent of whatever you know song that they chose to buy, um, and that value just last week I think it was at 1400 pound for you know for, for that so they've had a great return um, and it, that that that's just enabled us to 
you know, primarily keep keep going. There's been a good cash injection, which is greater than we would have got for any kind of record deal, you know, at, at this moment in time. So it's, it's a no-brainer. Plus, we get to keep the majority of our copyright to, you know, to ourselves rather than selling it to the, you know, any label or whatever. So, yeah, it's been very good, I think. And and what that encourages other people to do who own the 10% is I've seen a couple of posts where, you know, one of our songs maybe been played on the radio and, a you know, someone's commented saying, play it more because I own 10%. <laughs> so it, it it's them having that, if you will, that bragging right of going, Hey, I own ten percent of this song. I'm going to see if I can make some money from that, which uh, just helps collectively the other people who have ownership of that song, and and helps the band as well. So we're all working together to promote and and push the band. Yeah, I mean, it is it is the future. I mean, it it really is important to embrace that in some fraction and some sort of way because it's it's really headed that way. You know, when you have the bigger bands, you know, like Kings of Leon and and others, you know, start to dive into that end of the pool, you know, with NFT and blockchain, you know that it's something serious, right? And we've been hearing for years now that it's going to go away, it's not going to happen. And every time someone says it's going to go away, it comes back stronger. You know, it, it keeps getting stronger and stronger, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's NFT, whatever. Um, I, I think I think people have predicted its demise so many times and you're like, well, it's, it's still here. It's still doing very well. So uh, I do think it's very important, especially for musicians like yourselves to take control of your art, of your music um, and decide what you want to do with it rather than having a record company tell you what to do with it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, when we first talked, Neil, you know, we, it was before the pandemic. And we, a lot of the conversation was geared towards the state of rock and roll and where it was at the time. There was a lot of worry back then, you know, people were throwing around the term rock is dead, which we know will never happen. But in terms of relevancy, it was suffering. Uh, there was a question mark of where it was headed. That was pre pandemic. When the pandemic hit, there was a worry of it would sink farther and farther down the bottomless pit you know, and lose its chance for survival. We've seen the opposite, though. We've seen a, a, a resurgence in rock music that's reminiscent of the early 80s, of the, you know, the late, you know, the mid to late 70s, um, where emerging bands from all over are tapping into a young audience, tapping into a wider audience, because I think people really need that fill for their angst that they've experienced during the pandemic rock and roll has always been there for that angst and it's amazing to see how much of a better place it's in as we come out of a pandemic than it was before obviously playing live and not being able to do that has hurt it but i think people are gearing up i think this year is going to be big and i think the foreseeable future is going to be big for rock music what are you guys seeing in the uk I, I I agree with you. I think everyone's had this last couple of years where they've not done anything, and everyone is hunger, you know, so hungry for it. Um, there's there is like Peter said, like the, the gates are down and everyone's come out running, and there's there's still the roll on effect 
from cancelled gigs from two years ago, you know, overshadowing the ones from last year as well. And so those events are still going ahead. And then there's other events opening up to try and, you know, just about every weekend there's, you know, a different festival on somewhere. And, you know, there's some, there's bands playing more or less every night of the week, aren't they? Yeah, everywhere. Sure. Yeah. It's very vibrant and, you know, and people have, have, have not had that live entertainment. And, and they are now starting to waken up and go, yeah, let, let's grab this now. We've, we've missed it so much. How is rock music being received by the younger people in the UK? Are, are they starting to take notice? Are they starting to hop on board? Well, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I hope so. You know, well, rock music's always been for me. My life um, is just a life thread for me from the word get-go. That's all I've ever done. It's all I've ever wanted to do. And if people want to jump on with us, with this, it's all good. <clears throat> Regardless, I'm still going to keep plowing forward. But like you say, getting to your question about the youth, yeah, I think there's a bit more turn on for the, like you say, the 70s vibe, the 80s groove. Um, the kids are digging it. Yeah, more now than perhaps, you know, a handful of years ago. Yeah, I think that's important. You know, I mean, you know, Ben, you know, you're you're the guitar player. You know, what are you seeing? Uh, well, I mean, most recently, like if you look towards the pop world, like Ed Sheeran has just done one of his songs with I can't remember what band it is, a heavier band, real heavy, like one of the screamo bands. So to see that sort of heavier music that ours than ours is coming sort of into the mainstream it's only good for us in a way because it, it as long as it's turning people on to you know real instruments like real guitars real drums it's it's all grave and like i sort of see it like a a, a movie soundtrack like we had the dark times last year edm your pop <laughs> and now we're out of the pandemic it's time for the good times you know slow motion 80s high five rock and roll sort of stuff so i think the timing's coming just right for it nothing connects with a young kid like a power cord you know True that. <laughs> feel it through your soul you know what i mean <laughs> it really it, it really does i mean you know, I look at my son and I talk about him all the time on this uh, podcast unapologetically, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he said something really interesting when over the summer when he was talking about his friends at school, you know, because he's been a he's been a rocker since he was like six, seven years old, you know. And he said, you know, I think a lot of kids found themselves during the pandemic because, you know, you had the lockdowns, you were doing the e-learning from home, kids weren't going to school. And if a kid went into the pandemic listening to rap and pop music, they came out listening to rock. Because when you're doing the same thing every day, and you need something else, you need something different, you need something to temper that frustration, or absorb that frustration, absorb that angst. Yeah. And mm-hmm. rock music has always been able to do that from the times of Hendrix to the Beatles, to the Stones, to Zeppelin, to Sabbath, you know, to Metallica, to Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue to now it's always been that, that, uh, that shoulder to lean on or that, that, that music to lean on when a kid's not happy, a kid's pissed off because it speaks to them. 
Rap music doesn't speak to a kid that's been in lockdown, you know, and, and e-learning from his home doing the same thing. Pop music certainly doesn't with the 30 songwriters on each song and everything being auto-tuned and overproduced. Kid doesn't want to listen to that when he's pissed off because he can't see his friends. You know, they want to listen to the chord. They want to listen to that, that, that drum kick. They want to listen to, to, uh, you know, the craziness of rock and roll that those, those chords and that rumbling of, of rock. And I think coming out of the pandemic, no one would have predicted it, but I think rock and roll is stronger than any other genre right now. I've always believed that. Always, always believed that. Yeah. I, 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 I think these dates that we have just done, we have seen like a lot of younger people at, at these shows. Um, and I, I wonder if, you know, how much of that is going to be crossed over from the, um, the, the Motley Crue, you know, the dirt movie and, and how obviously that brought back, you know, Motley Crue to start touring again. And, but just from that one film, there was enough interest by this younger generation to go, who the hell are these guys? Let us, you know, just, find out more about them and from that introduction they, they've whittled out you know other rock bands whereas normally they maybe have just been and stuck into the pop music we've, we've seen i've seen quite a, you know there's there's a, a younger generation coming now to, to, to our shows but also i think when you start you know maybe riding a little wave that the, the maybe some naysayers or, or people who weren't that much into the band, they're now jumping on it, jumping on the bandwagon, you know, and, and that's bringing, like, the, the the younger element as well. Oh, what's going on here? There's something happening here, and it's exciting, and it's it's new. Yeah, I, I agree with that, you know, because right now I think rock and roll is a big community. I think fans are looking out for one another. I think most of them are at least. And, you know, they're, they're all trying to help each other succeed and get to that level. Because if one is successful, everyone is successful, right? Because what do, what do, um, you know, record companies and management companies do? Once there's one popular rock band, they want to sign the one that's just like them or that's in that same genre. So it's a domino effect. So if one can punch through, and I think there are, you know, right now I can think of probably four or five that are punching through which eventually will trickle down to the rest um, because it's connecting with the younger people. And that's really where, you know, you want to be. Um, I see the same thing, Neil, at shows that I go to or went to, you know, before the fall and winter when things got locked down here again, where I'd be in the show and I would see, instead of them with their parents, I would see a group of four or five teenagers walk into a show. And I thought that was so cool. That was so awesome um, because I do think it is, it is connecting with the young people. Finally, I do think that um, people are getting tired of that overproduced, you know, with no depth, no, no uh, instrumentation, no musicianship style of music. Um, I think people are starting to appreciate. I think there were three events prior to, well, one was during the pandemic, but prior to the pandemic, two of them were, and then one was during, I think, like you said, Neil, I think the dirt movie, really connected with the young people because they were all told they shouldn't see it. And they went ahead and saw it anyway. And I remember my son asking me, did that stuff really happen? Did that, you know, was, was that really, I'm like, yeah, it was pretty much all true. I think the, the release of the ACDC album power up brought a lot of people together and connected, you know, people with, with, with rock music. And I think the passing of Eddie Van Halen, 
had a lot to do with it because what happened after that people, young people started to hear who's this Eddie Van Halen guy and went on YouTube or wherever they went to go find the music and heard this guitarist and heard this amazing playing and the shredding and was just like, what the hell is this? And that sense of wonder that he brought to music, I think is reconnecting with a lot of young people. Right. I think that's, that's really where those three events classic rock artists are now trickling down to the emerging rock scene that that makes a lot of sense yeah i think you're right there in saying that as far as playing in 2022 what are your guys plans what are you guys hoping to do in in support of the new album i think we should (laughs) yeah just just try and get further exposure by playing Elsewhere, I think we should be looking at some um, supporting, you know, bigger bands and doing like a, you know, a, a tour with them, getting on some good support slots. We've, we've had great one-off shows with a lot of, you know, great big bands, but, you know, we, we need to maybe to further and expose the band further. Um, you know, we need to get on some good sports slots i think at this at this stage because still you know a lot of the uk still don't really know us at all um and and everywhere we have played and we have you know just recently played we, we're winning these people over aren't we? and i think yeah I think so. a bigger crowd from you know a bigger band would be you know fantastic for us yeah we've got we've got a show coming up this weekend um within the area with uh ricky warwick um and a few other great bands. Um, bit of a festival going down. So we're amongst that this weekend, which is going to be really cool. That'll be a sellout event. Um, we played with uh, Spike from the Choir Boys on Sunday there, the last date, didn't we? Yeah. As well. That was an yeah, I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good do. Yeah, we had a good time with that. Yeah. And it's, the more people get into seals, I think it's, it's going to uh, slowly creep out there and, get us known a bit more. So like I say, perhaps get some European dates in the healthier parts like Germany, where they seem to put bands, mm-hmm. rock and roll bands on a pedestal, where they really dig that groove. So yeah, just getting that placement just right. So just to make the word spread quickly, but as quick as possible, really, you know. Are you guys going to be selling the Takeaway Thieves Ouija board that's behind you at shows? I've never seen a rock and roll band Ouija board before. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a Quran over there as well. A, a Takeaway Thieves Quran? Yeah, you better be careful you where you sell that. You that's all I got to say. Yeah, there's, there's only actually two. Uh, Ouija boards, isn't there? I've got one, and you've got one. Yeah, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, be, be, be careful with the Takeaway Thieves Quran. You, you may end up on fire in certain areas of the world. You know. <laughs> yeah, but, um, all the all the contacts we can get, really. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Did have you, you tried contact? to Have you tried to like use it? Talk to the spirits before the show. Well, Eddie and Jimmy. <laughs> there you go. Chuck Daniel and Rob Bacardi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, we just get ourselves out there, man. It'd be just, just all we want to do. We just, we have that common denominator. We just love rock and roll in the chat. It's just that's our lives, basically. And to do it, it's going to be what we need to do, isn't it? And, and what we're getting, what I've noticed more 
on these dates we've just done. And, and we have always had this before, but again, it's been accelerated with all these dates we have done. It's the fact that the other bands we've played with and the, the people are like, what a, you guys are having so much fun and it's so infectious to watch. Do it for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> yeah. And so that, you know, that, that's, that's our agenda. And, and people are, are noticing this. They've never, um, Maybe, you know, I think watching a lot of bands ourselves, we wanted to be in a band that we would like to watch. And we've not seen that. And I don't think many people have seen a band enjoying themselves as much as we do. So, you know, that's it's it's new again to people to, to see this and experience it. And it leaves them feeling great and, and happy as well. So that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that's what the the essence of rock music is, right? It's the party. It's the good time. Um, you know, there's not a lot of bands that are doing what you guys do in terms of that sleaze rock, down and dirty rock and roll that's kind of rough around the edges, you know, that kind of has a little bit of, you know, rawness to it and... You know, it's okay. I always thought Sleaze Rock was so cool because, you know, it's got the rawness, it's got the power, it's got the, you know, the dirtiness, and it's got that, that uh, you can hear the mistakes, which is cool because rock and roll a is cool. Human you know? element. Yeah, huge element, right? I mean, you know, there's something to be said about uh, that type of music when you have a, a clean rock record where it's, very well produced and very well done. It's great. Sounds awesome. But is it really got the heart of rock and roll in it? You know, I mean, and, and I think the style that you guys play, you know, is, is kind of like that, that back alley of rock and roll, man. You, you, yeah, you know, the darkness, yeah. there's no, there's no street lights. It's all kind of, you know, dark and, and, you know, mysterious. And it's got that, that style that fits that mood, you know? Well, that's where we come from, isn't it? Streets, you know, that's where I come from anyway. I lived, lived on the streets and back streets, you know, that's where I, where I was brought up from. It's all the stories from my life. Well, but a lot of it comes from my personal experiences and the shit that I've gone through and, and the good times as well as the bad times. It's all, you know, it's all good, but, uh, yeah, it's the streets. We're, that's, it's pretty much about all where we are from, like back street vibes, man. Yeah. You, you take the album nine that you guys just did in 2021 and it's been out for a few months now. You've got some time to reflect on it, obviously. Where do you guys think you've, you've evolved the most from the first EP that re you released? Just having a better production and uh, someone who, who, like Dave Draper having the love and the dedication to you'll help us to achieve a, a, a great sounding, you know, a great sonically sounding album. And in being totally open to all sorts of ideas, like I always remember when we were doing Soothe Me and the sort of chanty bit before the solo, that wasn't really anything. And he was like, well, we'll get rid of this. And I was like, no, 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 there's a bit of something there. Let's have a bit of something different. And he was totally receptive to it and on board with it, which just makes the process that much more 
enjoyable. And I think it comes through in the recording process. Like, if you're enjoying it, it, it shines through, I think. Is it important to capture that energy? I mean, you guys are very energetic live. Um, sometimes when you have a band that really does have that synergy and energy when they perform, sometimes it's not always captured on a record. Um, do you guys feel you captured the essence of Takeaway Thieves on the record? Or, you know, is it a representation of what you guys do live where, you know, it sounds great, but come see us live. We'll, we'll, it'll sound even better. I don't. Oh, go on, Neil. No, I, 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 I was just going to say, Ben. I, I don't know. What, what, what do you think? I've, I've not thought of that. See, so, I'd go for like the album's more of a sort of a promotional tool to promote coming to see it live. Because I mean, if you wanted it to be exactly the same, you know, seeing it live, just stay at home and listen to the album or watch the music videos. I think live, there's a bit more a bit more of an element of danger to it because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if Pete's going to get ads or ads is going to knock Pete or if I'm going to get knocked with a mic stand. It's it's always different every time. And I think that's a big appeal to people because there's nothing worse like than, say, going to watch a cover band and, you know, right, this song's coming, they're going to do this move, then this is happening. So I see it more as a promotional tool to get people to come to the shows. When you are performing live and you, and you are, you know, finding, you know, new members of your audience, what, you know, what are the steps you take to how to try to connect with the audience, either via social media or playing live? You know, how do you guys find that connection with, with people that may have, may have not heard you before or just been recently exposed to you? No, I think it's just giving it everything we've got. And just seeing that pure joy that we have, you know, being in each other's company and just doing what we love. I think that's enough for for people to connect with. And, you know, like throwing picks out to people and giving them a set list and stuff like that. It's all little things that, you know, build that community spirit. I like to blow kisses. <laughs> I like to cuddle. Do they? Well, hey, you know what? I mean, who doesn't like to cuddle, right? <laughs> you know? Maybe they say spooning always leads to forking, you know? Yeah, this is it, man. Nobody's safe, mate. Nobody is safe. <laughs> I think as well, there's no, you know, we're not, at, when, we're, when we are off stage, we're all together. Anyone in the rooms looking over and thinking, look at them guys, they're having so much fun and that people want to get involved. You know, if, if you're sat there trying to be all cool at the end of the bar, no one's really going to, you know, initiate any kind of contact or conversation with you. Whereas if you're laughing, joking and just having a, a general good time, it's like Ben says, it, that's infectious and, and people want to be a part of that. Natural, that's it. It's natural, man. You know, when you're playing live and you definitely want to showcase the new music that you guys just released, um, is it hard to stay connected with the stuff that was released previously? Because you guys are continuing to grow and, you know, the production 
like you said, is, is better than the first EP, but you guys are becoming better musicians too. Cause you're still evolving. When you think back of that stuff that was on that EP versus what's on, on nine, is it hard to you? Is it hard for you guys to get in that headspace for that EP for the music on that EP? No, not really, because those songs still go down well and people still chant. I mean, personally, I, I didn't like um, Slipping and Sliding off the, off the EP. And it's only recently that we've, that we've kind of tweaked it a little bit with some little dual guitaring that, you know, I love that song. But the, the, it's, evolved. People, it's, it's evolved slightly yes, yeah. from the actual original recording of the I don't know. It just seems to have got a little bit more flavour to it now as we're moving forward with it all, especially the songs of the old, of the EP, especially. I mean, in an ideal world, personally, in another year, year or two, when it's an anniversary or something like that, I'd like to go back with Dave Draper and do them again and get that production quality and have the evolution of it just as like a special thing. Because I think that the songs do deserve it because they're quite catchy tunes. That that would be uh, great in an ideal world. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 got to be hard. Maybe it isn't. I would think it is, though. But you guys can offer your opinion that you know when you're writing new music for this last album, and you're looking forward to the future, whether you have songs already or whether you're continuing to write stuff or play with riffs or melodies. You know, a lot of that's because you, you get excited for what you're working on now. You get excited for what's in the present. Um, to stay connected with a song that was written two, three years ago or whenever it was written um, can be a challenge, I, I, I would imagine, because you're so, like, into what you're doing now. Um, but at the same time, you wrote those songs for a reason. You perform those songs for a reason because they were good enough to be on an EP, good enough for you guys to perform. You know, I, I had... Someone on recently, I think it was John Drake from uh, Descoda, who said, you know, when you do revisit a old song, it's like going out to dinner with an old girlfriend, you know, you know, where you're you're like, hey, I remember you, you know, and this and that. And, and uh, you know, it's a bit of a nostalgia type thing. Is that what you guys feel, too, as well? Well, every song we do is a part of who we are. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just a part of the full picture, full story. And but as yeah, it's we are on with new stuff. We are writing new riffs. We're on with new melodies. At present, you know, we're getting together and doing some new stuff. Ben's got a, a stack of written cool riffs that I'm going to go up. So it's all there for the taking for the next. It's just about finances. Getting into the studio as soon as we can. Get the money together and put those down. Yeah, we've got it all going down at the minute. It's just getting the money together. It's getting back in the studio. And get the new stuff out there. I think the older songs, it's like a lot of people use the analogy that songs are the children, so there's no favourite and they're all the, you know, they're all loved as much as each other. But say, in the respect of looking back at older songs and, you know, the band are only just, we're just coming up to being four, um, four years old now and we've had two years of, you know, very... Lockdown. Yeah, lockdown bullshit. So... Those older songs are kind of like, say, from your your, your children from your, maybe your first marriage, and 
then you've got married again and you've got some new kids, but you still love the older kids and you still have them round for tea and you know, and, and they sit with the new kids at the table. And they argue. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's better than John's analogy. <laughs> No, it's, uh, it's, yeah, because I mean, you got to have a high tolerance for repetition, especially if you're playing the same stuff all the time. But you also have to have a certain amount of love in order to, to accept that repetition. You know, I mean, you've got to be like, like you said, Peter, you know, these were songs that were written, you know, by you guys and you guys love these songs. You know, they're a part of you, they're a part of the band. Um, you know, when you, when you think of some, what was happening in the music world about, you know, albums that were recorded before the pandemic, the band sat on for over a year trying to find the yeah. right time to release it. That's got to be incredibly difficult too, right? Because you're not even playing the music. You have the music re- ready to go and recorded and produced on an album that's not been released yet. And you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs and you're continuing to write more music. And then all of a sudden this album comes out. And you're like, all right, I got to I got to get in that headspace again of what it was like when it, you know, recorded an album. So that had to be a challenge, too, for yeah, a lot sure. of artists out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But like you say, we're all in the same boat and we've got to accept that. Yeah. And, uh, and deliver the best we can now. How, how is it for you guys? I, I know we, I think we touched on this last time, Neil. Um, you know, Brexit has a, has had a big impact on the movement of bands in and out of the U.K., um, you know, the expense of touring now has last time I checked, maybe it's changed, but you know, has increased if you just want to go to Europe and play Germany or play other other countries than it was before. Um is the cost to go into Europe equal to less than more than what it would cost to come in and play America? I think America I actually spoke with John um just a in December there with regard to this and in, in Europe and that. I, I think it's probably just still maybe slightly dearer to go to America mm-hmm. to tour for a British band. In the um like a UK band now going to the round Europe, they, they have to pay what's called a, a a claret for to declare, you know, how much merchandise and, and what they're taking into each city uh, and, and country. Um and that's, I think, but you, you get, you, you just pay that annual fee, which is £400. And from what I gather, that's just like a money making thing that they, you know, that they're not stopping every van, every touring band. They're not opening the doors and checking how many t shirts and CDs you've got. Um, and, you know, they, they, they take the form away. They look at what you've got. And then 10 minutes later, they, they, they just wave you through. Of course, now I've said this, if when we go over to Europe, we'll get stopped every time. But, you know, that's that's what I believe is what's happening just at this moment. I, I do think it is still probably slightly dearer to, to do America. And with it being so much bigger as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a big factor, too. Plus, you know, do you want to run the risk of coming to America, getting your visas, lining up the circuit to play? And then a COVID outbreak happens and then you're sitting in a hotel room, not making any money, not doing anything. And that, that could be, that could kill a band, you know, um, well, especially with all that expense. <laughs> what was that? We'll take the risk, we'll take the risk man. 
<laughs> as no, long as the sun's shining. You know, but it, it does like, you know, if something breaks out, I mean, one of the cool yeah. things about America is you can go into Texas per se, and you can play Texas for three weeks because it's such a big state. You know, you could play California for a month. You know, you could play the East Coast for two, two months because all this, all the major cities like Philly, New York and Boston are so close to each other. You could play Chicago for a couple of weeks, you know, um, that's what's yeah. really cool about it is that you can. You know, you can move freely, you know, through the states and, and be in a state where you can just, you know, play the dickens out of it for, for you know, weeks on end. That's where the British bands have like the, the rough end of the deal. The American bands can come over to the UK and they can do it all up and down the whole of the UK in a week. Whereas, you know, that wouldn't even get us through Florida or, you know, the majority of states in, in, in America. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just how that is, isn't it really? Yeah. I mean, is it, is it also a question of, I mean, obviously there's the expense, but is it also a question of the promoter or who's ever promoting a tour or a show or lining up a show or tour, um, believing that they need a known commodity in the U S for an opening slot? or for a club tour, you know, cause you know, everything's more expensive as you know, inflation continues to rise here in America and you got to make your, you know, you got to make your money back if you're, if you're a promoter and it's difficult. One of the things that always frust- frustrates me is when you see a big legacy act tour, you're like, Oh, that's awesome. They're going to be touring. So who's going to be the young emerging opening act, right. That they're going to take on tour of them. And, that's happening less and less because the promoter's like, no, we need an opening band that's going to also sell X amount of tickets. And then that puts the new emerging rock bands in the U.S. behind the eight ball. And then any band that's overseas behind that, you know, because it's just the mentality that I think needs to be broken. You know, I, I, I know Judas Priest came before the pandemic and Uriah Heep was the opener. That's a great bill, right? It sounds like a great bill, but people are going to go see Judas Priest regardless if it's Uriah Heep, if it's Takeaway Thieves, or any other band. They're going to go buy those tickets. I mean, Uriah Heep is not going to sell them, sell more tickets for a Judas Priest concert or whatever, right? I mean, people are going to go buy those tickets regardless. And I think that mentality um, may have been correct at one point, but I don't think it's correct anymore. It's bizarre as well because on the other side of that is you know like a an, an upcoming band playing playing a big support like that that mm. the cost of having to do that outweighs what they're going to get because the Judas Priest fans like you say they're there just to see Judas Priest or whatever the headliner is and the majority you go to all these arenas the majority of people don't normally turn up till five minutes before the headline band come on so. The you know those newer bands unless they have like a, a a bigger like record label behind them that can financially justify if you will that slight loss it's um you know it, it's 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 hard isn't it to to, to work out yeah I, one of the bands that I believe really does it right is Deep Purple you know Deep Purple is always taking out. 
I mean, they brought out Joyous Wolf the last time they did a U.S. tour. And they're a young emerging band. You know, that's a band, you know, Deep Purple is a legacy artist, one of the forefathers of hard rock and heavy metal. And here they are taking out a virtual unknown band. So I was happy to see that. But then, you know, you see Motley Crue and Def Leppard, you know, then take out Poison and add Joan Jett. And then you're like, oh, what about the young band? And all of a sudden, at the very bottom where you need a magnifying glass, there's the there's the young band that's playing at like three o'clock in the afternoon, which, hey, you know, it's a good slot. Maybe some people will become new fans and check them out. But, you know, that, that that's, a, you know, but the, but the ticket prices, my point being with the ticket prices of that tour, you got to fill you got to keep people in the stadium or arena and sell that merch, sell that beer so that promoter can make his money back because some of those tickets were like four hundred dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. I think I think um, I think between the two of them, they were both getting uh, not each, but between the two of them, I think they were getting like six million a show. You know, cool. so they got to make the money back somehow, right? And yeah. unfortunately, an unknown act is not gonna, you know, bring in that those extra dollars. So it's it's kind of frustrating to see that because I think that's a hindrance. Because it, back in the day, you used to see these legacy artists bring out the young band on the tour with them to get people noticed and get bands noticed. And you just don't see that enough, I believe. Well, well that was also back in the day when, like, say, it was the record label of those legacy bands had an upcoming band. So they were, like, just, you know, helping, again, the, the, the label promote the next generation. And, and now there's such a divide between these great big legacy bands who, who still have like a major deal. There's not that influx of the, the new generation on mm-hmm. the same label, making that you know transition easy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, as far as this album goes, you know, when you guys are creatively working together and putting together the songs what is that process like for you guys? Do you guys all bring in what you have separately? Do you guys bring it in all in as a group? Do you get together? Is there how does that work for Takeaway Thieves? So it's it varies, really. Go on, Ben. I would say it varies because like I got a little home recording set up, so I'll have a riff and then I'll put like a rough track behind it that's by no means set in stone. But then I'll say, send that to Pete and say, you know, what do you think of this? Can you vibe with it? And if it's a yeah, it'll jot down some lyrics. So like the basic skeleton, like when I present my sort of songs or our songs, shall I say, whatever, it's already sort of there. So then we'll take it to the rehearsal room and then Max will do his thing and then Neil will do his thing. And Ads will do his thing. And then it just, it's sort of very natural. Like once the skeletons are, they sort of, as daft as it sounds, they write themselves, really. Is that a stressful time for the band? You know, when people are bringing in their own ideas? Because obviously they believe in so much of their own idea. This is so kick-ass. This is awesome. And then maybe the rest of the guys it falls flat with, or maybe they like their songs. I mean, how, how do you guys kind of navigate through that? Or is that ever an issue? I don't think that's ever an issue, is it? Not really, no. We'd ever, we'd, we'd, there might be some ideas that might be put to one side, but on a whole, 
the storylines got uh, the storylines there, the storyboard, the song. Pretty much everyone's on board with it. It's just, you know, we don't seem to have conflicts over that. No, it seems to be quite easy and accepted within our team. Yeah, it's, it sounds like heaven, doesn't it, Jay? It does. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like sounds like <laughs> unicorns <laughs> and rainbows. <laughs> That's going to be the next song. <laughs> you, you've been reading our rider. Yeah. That's, I just gave you the title of your next album, Unicorns <laughs> and Rainbows. <laughs> the band's got a lot lighter since Snakes and Daggers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, come out with a tattoo of that. That would be uh, definitely connect with your uh, with your fan base with that. You know, nothing says rock and roll like multicolor uh, unicorn. If it was good enough for Dio, it's good enough for me. <laughs> Absolutely, his Moore's was Dungeons and Dragons, though, not unicorns and rainbows. Yeah, but we're a bit lighter. <laughs> unicorn tears. Do you guys have you know? Have you guys tempered your expectations for this year or now that things are opening up, you know, it's back to, you know, business as usual. Is there, is there or is there still some hesitation as you guys move forward? I'm very excited to get up and just coming off this, these dates and, and with the, the positive feedback we've got. Um, and, and that's just given sort of myself like a, a, re, a refreshed energy to, God, you know, this is very, very promising and, and exciting, you know, so we need to accelerate, don't we? Yeah, move forward and just um, keep on the same keep on the same level and keep going at it as we can, push forward. Um, see what see what it brings, you know. Who knows? Yeah, I think, you know, with the situation with things opening up here in the States, here across the world, um, I don't think you can worry about what's already happened. You can only move forward accordingly. Something comes up again, it comes up. But yeah, I think we we've all have to stop living our lives with hesitancy. You know, I think it's just time to, you know, move forward collectively as people and get back to normal as quickly and as close to, you know, what that normal was as we can. Yeah, for sure. One million percent, yeah. You know, I still think there's going to be some hesitancy, but I think as a whole, people are are itching to get out and, you know, looking forward to going out and to festivals and being being amongst people again. Right. I mean, because that's a difficult thing. I mean, to 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 stop that and, you know, because we're social beings, we're social people. And uh, when you don't have that for two years, it can be can be hard on people. Yeah. You've got to remain optimistic. You really do. Yeah. can't be, you can't let that burden, that weight of all that COVID weigh heavy on you. You've got to just like try and, you know, with all the jabs and the boosters and all the open, that just take effect on everybody and slow down the process of this deadly disease or whatever it is. And just, I don't know, we're not in the summer months. We've got the big festival in the summer months called, called the Wild Festival, haven't we? Yeah, that's And that's amazing. a big, a big event, outside event, festival. So um, all these people coming together in that big field will, um, I don't know. Probably turn it on even more for us guys. Yeah, yeah. To get that wider audience and uh, in one big hit, instead of just a small venue, this is going to be a big event. 
we should be able to get a bit of saturation there, shouldn't we? Actually, yeah. I'm hoping so anyway, fingers crossed. And I think I think people like you know a, a lot a lot of it like these festivals people are going to they're they're booking for the festivals primarily so that they can hang out with their friends and you know I think maybe a, 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 for a, a, a large percentage that's more important than who's actually on the bill and if they catch you know a, a newish band that they, they dig you know has double double joy for them isn't it is it a big adjustment for you guys going from a small club stage to playing a festival you know where, where it's a bigger stage where there's a, there's a lot more space it's no. more tiring <laughs> what's it's that more tire, it's more tiring doing a bigger when we play a bigger stage you guys got to get, get on the treadmill and not have as many beers <laughs> cocktails before the show <laughs> like oxygen tanks and gatorade <laughs> well, it's, it's, less, it's less dangerous on a bigger stage because we're not smashing into each other as often. We're not copping um, a guitar in the face. Uh, <laughs> it's the truth of the matter. It's only the, you can't cop a guitar uh, headstock in the teeth. Uh, on a bigger stage, you've got more of a chance to avoid that situation. But yeah, it's, we can adapt to it. You know, it's all good. It's all good. It's a lot of energy comes out of us guys. A lot of energy. Gatorade and vodka, you know, on the drum riser, basically. <laughs> well, I'll leave that to someone else. It's all just uh, Newcastle Brown Ale for me, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, guys, this has been a, a great chat, as always. Always enjoy having, uh, you know, you on, Neil. Uh, always a great conversation. Great to have you guys, Pete and Ben, on for the first time. Um, big fan of the band. One of my favorite bands from the UK. Love the album. I think it was definitely in my top 30 for 2021 uh, that we did earlier this year, the show that we did. Just love the vibe and love the groove. Love the way you guys really evolved with the production. And uh, also, I think, too, with the songwriting. Um, you know, it it um, it was a journey. And I like when an album is a journey. Uh, That's lovely. So good luck to you guys this year, man. Thanks for uh, Thanks for being guests. Much love to you, man. Thank you. You take care. Okay. All right, everyone. That is Takeaway Thieves, Pete, Ben, and Neil. Uh, Go check out their new album, Nine, on all streaming platforms. Check out TakeawayThieves.com where you can order the CD and other merchandise. The Ouija board is not available yet, but maybe that'll come soon. Uh, We'd like to thank Pantheon Podcast for being our host as they always are on every episode that we do. You can check out their Pantheon podcast platform with other great podcasts. I always mention my friends, Vinny Apice, Carmen Apice, and Ron Anesti on the Hanging and Banging podcast, Martin Popoff, the Rock Historian, Tom and Zeus from Shout Out Loudcast, the number one rated Kiss podcast, as well as Mistress Carrie out in Boston. Don't forget to follow the Hook Rocks on Twitter, Facebook, and now Instagram. And like us wherever you do uh, podcasts. Write us a review. We're all about the reviews. Tell us how great we are. Tell us what we need to work on. Write us a review because it means a lot to us. Recommend us on any platform that you do listen. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever. And uh, look for more great things to come here in 2022. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks. Take care of everybody. We'll talk soon. Thanks.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.